0: A Netflix live event happening
1: May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, everybody. Grant Napier on Listen Up. We have got a lot to talk about. Last night's NFL blowouts, We've got uh, perhaps Aaron Judge making history this weekend against the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium. We've got more double standards and hypocrisy in the NBA, and we've got your phone calls right here on Listen app. All right, let's start last night with the Buffalo Bills. Two seasons or two weeks into the season, uh, They have looked beyond dominant. I mean, they open up the season against the reigning Super Bowl champion Rams, and they steamroll them. Then they go back home last night, take on a Titans team that needed a victory, needed to be competitive after that horrible loss last week against the Giants. And I'll tell you, the Bills, oh my goodness. Do you see any weaknesses on this Buffalo Bills team? Seriously, you see any weaknesses? Where? Where's the weakness on this Bills team? Now, we can't forecast injuries, but they looked beyond dominant. They looked unbelievably dominant. And Bill's fans have been through this before. they've got to be wondering if this is indeed going to be the year. 41 to seven. They outscore the Titans 24 to nothing in the third quarter. Meanwhile, the Eagles. Beat the Vikings 24-7. to 7. Two things here. The Eagles are the best team in the NFC East, in my opinion. And the Minnesota Vikings, once again, on the big stage, melt. You know, they beat the Packers in week one. They got all the momentum. They go into Philly, Monday Night Football. They're at the link. And they score seven points. That's it, seven points. 24-7. to 7. Jalen Hurts outstanding 26 of 31 333 one touchdown one pick Kirk Cousins meanwhile 27 of 46 221 one touchdown and three interceptions should have had two touchdowns a easy touchdown dropped the three interceptions one was not his fault but there were two others that should have been picked so basically he had a bad game. They had a bad game, plain and simple. And once again, you look at the Minnesota Vikings, and you wonder if is this going to be the year that maybe they win the NFC North and surpass the Packers? Not based on what I saw last night. Not based on what I saw last night. So we can talk about that as well. All right, sixty-two or 73, or I should say 61 or 73. What's the home run record in Major League Baseball? Is it Maris at 61, or is it Bonds who we know cheated at 73? Obviously, the real record is 73, but how do you interpret the record? If Aaron Judge surpasses Maris, is he the single-season home run king? In your view, or is it still bonds? We can talk about that. We talk about the hypocrisy in the NBA. And it's really unbelievable to me. All right? Matter of fact, I talked about this on my podcast today. You had Draymond Green this summer call Kendrick Perkins a racial slur. Okay, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Draymond Green, a couple of days later, apologized after speaking with Joe Dumars and Adam Silver. There was no fine levied by the NBA, there was no punishment handed down at all by the Warriors or by the league office. But you have Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves who was fined $40,000 for using offensive and derogatory language on social media. That's right. Edwards made anti-gay comments. Apparently, after observing people standing on a sidewalk, it was a video that he posted to his Instagram. And the video was deleted. And Edwards admitted that his actions were inappropriate, all right? He also did issue an apology on social media. Quote, what I said was immature, hurtful, and disrespectful, and I'm incredibly sorry. It's unacceptable for, for me to anyone to use that language in such a hurtful way. There's no excuse for it at all. I was raised better than that. The lead, meanwhile... Their statement said, we are disappointed in the language and actions Anthony Edwards displayed on social media. The Timberwolves are committed to being an inclusive and welcoming organization for all and apologize for the offense this has caused to so many. Here's the message in the NBA. If you're Black and you want to call another Black man or Black person a racial epithet, if you want to use a derogatory, ugly, vile, racial slur, no problem. Go right ahead. Feel free. If you're Black, you want to call another Black person a racial slur? We in the NBA condone that. How else would I interpret that? They didn't do anything to Draymond Green. He also apologized, by the way. Anthony Edwards apologized. Oh, but you know what? He used slur that according to the NBA, okay, according to the NBA, does not fit their standards, does not fit their standards because he attacked the gay community. So in the NBA, it's okay to hurl racial slurs if you're black, but don't you dare make any other slurs towards any other group. Because that is not acceptable in our league. What a joke. Woke culture, all the crap, everything else. Again, I talked about this on my podcast yesterday. Silence is compliance. And the NBA should be ashamed of themselves. They fine Anthony Edwards 40 grand, but they don't do a damn thing to Draymond Green who called Kendrick Perkins a racial slur. Explain that to me, would you please? Actually, there is no explanation. The NBA is turning into a joke. They're turning into a joke. They allow their players like Kevin Durant to tell a fan at a home game, shut the F up and sit down. Right? But they don't do they don't do anything to Durant. They don't do anything to Draymond Green. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. There's no other way to say it. It's a joke. All right, let's get to some phone calls right here on Listen app. All right, hit your mic icon and we'll get you on. All right, I'm going to put you back in the audience. Guys, when you, gals, when I go to you, you got to be ready to roll here. All right, you got to be ready to roll. Let's get to uh, Andrew. Andrew, you're on with Grant Napier here on this Tuesday. Andrew, how are you today?
2: Uh, hey, Grant. Thanks for taking uh, my call. Love hearing the the pod going on in the live session when I'm out and about and getting things done. But, hey, touching on the, the Draymond and Perkins situation, you know, it's and this is long before any social, social, political stuff, all the all the the woke culture. You know, and, uh it's. The racial slur that was used is more, it's an enduring, endearing, it's a, it's a title of endearment for a lot of folks and it's not meant in any type of racial tone. And I, I, I'm, I'm
1: white, you know, I can't, I've never used that. So you, you think that, you think the word that Draymond Green used that starts with the letter C and ends with the letter N is a term of endearment?
2: I, well, I was not aware of the, I was thinking it was a different word,
1: um, no it was not it was the letter that c okay well that's absolutely uh, the letter n well that's vile
2: um it's disgusting and i love that you bring up the the point of mitch album and what he's done with the serena williams and the the list goes on be selective with your hate and in and you know you keep driving the point home and it's interesting because even though you keep bringing it up there's so many situations that cause for the for it to to be circled back and to be emphasized because there's so much hip, uh hip, hypocrisy yeah there's a lot of hypocrisy yeah and it's it's just it's 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 real it's it's tough because a lot of people are just like like mitch album says it's it's selective and you can't you can't be selective you got to be consistent
1: right and the biggest culprit of that in pro sports is lebron james And yet, you know, the national media just gives him pass after pass after pass. And LeBron has become the most hypocritical athlete in our country, in my opinion. And yet the mainstream media, they don't bring it up. They don't ask him about it. They don't criticize him. It's just a farce. It's an absolute joke. It really is. is. It's a joke.
2: The the situation with the BYU volleyball team, if that happened, it's it's despicable. Yes, it is. But instead of jumping to conclusions, do the diligence and see if it actually happened. If it happened hundred percent, this, this, it's, it's, that's disgusting. And it should be, there should be consequences for the persons involved, but we yep. can't, you know, like whatever the, the media outlets that were there that wanted to jump to conclusions and not do any diligence, get to the truth creates more. That's in my opinion, that's more of the problem than, you know, some unfortunate young kid at, at playing volleyball at Duke, whether she heard something or she didn't. Hopefully she can reflect. And if she was, and she fabricated the story, you know, that's, that's, that's a part of the the situation as well. That's making our society, you know, very divisive. And it, it, we can't, the way we're going, it, it's, it's, it's scary because I have two young kids and I don't want them to be in a society where, you know, everyone is at each other's throats for, because, One, social media. And like, I I love how you bring up Euclid's tweet. Euclid's, I mean, it's great. The the culprit, uh, social media has a lot to do with our situation and where we're at as a society. And I hope, you know, people that have a major influence like LeBron need to, you know, understand we need to be consistent. And it's about culture, different cultures. What's normal in some cultures is different than others. And people are different but understand the differences, but we know right from wrong.
1: Yeah, LeBron only cares about, you know, issues with the black people. He doesn't give a damn right. about any other race or any other religion. And I can say that based on all of his social media tweets. I mean, it, it's there. There's a pattern. And it's really not even debatable. You know, we had an incident, you know, at the Oregon football game that I talked about on my podcast right. today, you know, playing BYU with a chant of F the Mormons. And really that gets swept under the rug by the mainstream media. That is vile. That is hatred. That is despicable. And yet, because for whatever reason, it is a particular group that is not, I, I don't know how to say this adequately, so I'm going to be careful how I say this, but it's flat yeah. out wrong. It's despicable. And why is it that our mainstream media pretty much ignores that, but it, but it ha- had it been F the Muslims or f the the black people or f it would have been talked about everywhere but all of a sudden mormons aren't important in our mainstream media i mean what's wrong with our country hate is hate as mitch album says you cannot be selective with your noise not against hate this country is so damn selective with their noise against hate it's ridiculous i mean you know look at look at the crimes that are being committed against asian people particularly in new york city for no reason you know, and it's like people don't even they, they look at it and they go, oh, wow, that's too bad. And they move on with their lives. It's like, you know, I, I don't understand how people I, I just don't. I don't understand why people are selective with their hate. And I keep on reading that quote by Mitch Album because I think it's one of the more yeah. uh, just it's incredible. I mean, Mitch Album hit it right on the head. Have you
2: had a chance to speak with him personally or individually?
1: No, I, you know, I have not, I actually reached out to him and I did not hear back from him, but I'm going to try again. I would love to get him on my podcast.
2: You know, I've, I've listened to you. I've listened to your shows. And I know we, we circle back to his, um, I I don't know if it's a quote from his book or or a piece that he did regarding the the guerrilla um, tactics in tennis, or if he reached out to you based on your situation uh, with cousins. And I, I, I love, um, the input that he has. And he, he's a hundred percent, he's being honest. And in no way is it being divisive. It's, it, it's accurate. And um, appreciate you bringing this to Thank to, you. The, to attention because it does need to be yes, it uh, does. attentive. And I hope that maybe you have Mitch on the show sometime or get his take. And um, it's unfortunate that we have to circle back to it because there's a reason why we are circling back to it. But, you know, I, look, maybe get Mitch on the,
1: on your show sometime
2: and and pick his brain, but thanks Grant, have a nice day.
1: Thank you. I read that quote from a story that Mitch wrote in the summer of 2020 after Deshaun Jackson had made anti-Semitic comments and basically there was not an outrage by it. And uh, I read that quote today on my podcast, you know, silence is compliance and we cannot be selective with our noise against hate and mitch said and i'm paraphrasing because i don't have it right in front of me but he said that the country's being too quiet after that comment by deshaun jackson and he is absolutely spot on correct all right let's move along we get to uh Train who joins us here on listen Up. Hey, E Train.
3: hey grant how you doing
1: today i'm good thank you for calling
3: Hey, uh, great show with Sean yesterday. I really enjoyed your discussion about how coaching um, makes a difference in the NFL as it related to the Giants. And as a Raiders fan, I wanted to ask you what, if any, impact a new coaching staff you feel is why that they're 0-2 at this point.
1: I think it's a little bit too early to summarize Josh McDaniels the front office, and the coaching staff. I mean, the the Raiders could very easily be 2-0. I know they're not 2-0. I know they're 0-2, but there are 15 more games. Everything is new. Let, let's just wait and see a little bit. I, I'm not ready to throw Josh McDaniels, who was awful in Denver, under the bus or anything like that, but that was an alarming loss Sunday against the Cardinals. I was not as bothered by the loss on opening Sunday down in L.A. against the Chargers. I, I wasn't. I, I was alarmed after watching the Raiders fall apart on Sunday against the Cardinals, but I think it's perhaps a little bit too early to make any, you know, concrete observations on that.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. I'm not sure what my expectations were going into the season just because of, you know, having a new coaching staff and not knowing what type of impact that would have. You know, it's, I don't necessarily think it's time to hit the panic button, but it's uh it's disappointing nonetheless but I gotta tell you the question I found myself uh, asking was d- did New England ever collapse like that in a, in a similar type situation you know when Josh McDaniels was the coordinator there because I certainly don't remember that and it was definitely heartbreaking as a fan
1: well most of the years he had Tom Brady as quarterback so the answer to that question would be probably no um I I again it's two games e-train I think we have to you know, wait a little bit longer with this new coaching staff and everything else. Again, it's not like they had two awful games. They were, you know, I thought Carr was bad in week one. I thought the three interceptions, obviously he did not play well. You know, you're probably not going to get that week in, week out from Carr. He's probably going to be a little bit better than that, I think we could say. I'm more concerned about the defense of the Raiders than anything else right now. You know, their inability to get off the field uh, in that fourth quarter against the Cardinals, their inability to tackle Murray, their inability to come up with big plays was rather alarming. So I I look at that as an aspect that needs to really get a lot better too.
3: Yeah, no, I I hear you. But thank you so much, Grant. I appreciate it.
1: E-Train, have a good one. Thank you very much. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls. And uh, we say hello to Jeff. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. How are you today?
4: Great, Grant. Thanks for taking my call. I got it. Thank you, buddy couple things. First, did you, you hear about Amador High School uh, over there by Sutter Creek Pioneer or Jackson? You no. Know, yeah, I guess they the kids were saying something in the chat room about an upcoming football game and what they were going to do or whatever and the league or somebody said it, uh, it was inappropriate chatter so they suspended the whole football team. You know, this social media, you just never know who Who's watching? You know. Yeah, you know what? It's very true,
1: and I would also say this: I view what adolescents do a hell of a lot differently than what adults do. Okay. Right. Uh, the, I really do. I I don't I don't expect our adolescents to be perfect. I don't expect them not to, you know, make stupid mistakes. I do expect all of that. I think you know those of us that have had children that have you know lived through those years and our own years when we were adolescents is part of life, and so I judge. I judge that age group completely different. With a lot of pe- a lot of you know, get out of jail cards. I don't do the same for adults.
4: Yeah, that makes sense. The other thing I wanted to do: you see, where uh, the Kansas City Chief uh, player uh, was this Willie Gay got suspended.
1: Yes. Yes.
4: So, yep. so he gets suspended right away for four games for property damage less than a thousand dollars, like lickety split. Yep. But yet Kamara's still you know allowed to play. that took him forever on Watson. and this guy, less than thousand dollars, he gets four games.
1: Again, there's no rhyme or reason in professional sports without the handout punishments. There really isn't. Uh, I've talked a lot about Alvin Kamara ever since he was arrested right after the Pro Bowl and charged with a felony battery. And the fact that he's on the field playing when there's video evidence, and the fact that he admitted hitting the victim is just it's it's wrong it's wrong he shouldn't it's be ludicrous. playing and Luder- it's it's a joke it's yep. it's yes a it is Luder- yes it is okay
4: the last thing last thing i want to touch on because aaron judd he's kind of a northern california kid he grew up he's a adopted kid out of linden down there by lodi uh, you know did you know that
5: yeah he i know stopped. yep
4: okay yep. anyways uh so You know, I'm pulling for him, but, uh, you know, uh, I still think the home run thing has to go to bonds. I mean, baseball knew what was going on. I mean, let's talk about when baseball even got those balls that were juiced up to try and improve, you know, home runs and the length of the ball, how it would travel and everything else. And, you know, now they're going to eliminate the shift next year. So batting a guy might hit 400 again. You know, so where does it stop? I mean, you know, you enhance the ball, you enhance the, you know, you're going to enhance the offense. I mean, it's kind of like the NFL records. Uh, let's, you know, the same thing. I mean, it's all offense now. You can't nail a guy coming across the middle anymore. And look at all the receiving records. Some of the pros like Lynn Swan, Jerry Rice, some of those guys, if they they were weren't allowed to be touched or grabbed and, You know, look at the records. They would have records you would never be able to touch.
1: Yeah, but records based on rule changes and records based on cheating uh, are two different things. You know, you write about the rules of the game and how it makes it almost impossible to compare errors. But we know that the players, Maguire, Sosa, Bonds, during that era were all... Uh, taking illegal steroids, which enhanced their bodies, made them a lot stronger, thus hitting more home runs. So there's that's where the debate comes in.
4: Right. I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. But my point, again, is baseball, uh, they knew what was going on. They made millions yep. and millions of dollars on the tickets. Yep. No and, question. Uh, the, on the TV revenues and, you know, the whole shebang with Sosa, McGuire hugging each other when – you know that game yep. was were, were together when McGuire hit his home run, and so you, you know now to throw shade on all that, and they knew, and you know it's the whole thing about the Hall of Fame thing too. You know, I'm I have a bad taste in my mouth for it. I know you're, you know, it's not wasn't right, uh, but you know baseball let it go on. So I don't know what to, you know, I'm on the fence. I
1: understand that it's a very hot topic and I think it's a good topic. And because I, I was listening to my good buddy, Chris Russo on mad dog radio. And there was a large difference of opinion about the, you know, what is the real home run record and both he and Steve Phillips, former, you know, major league baseball executive feels that it's Roger Maris and not Barry Bonds. I thought that was very interesting. And there were many other people that called in and agreed with that. So, it's it's a topic of discussion. I mean, the record is 73. It's in the record books. That's the record. But a lot of people don't acknowledge that record. A lot of people will not acknowledge that record. And I'm just curious, you know, now that we're in 2022 and we have a guy that may may surpass may pass Roger Maris 61, how baseball fans will view that. I just think it's an interesting topic of conversation.
4: I guess they can put an asterisk by it or do something. Yeah. I, I just don't... I don't I don't you know, who knows what they're gonna do. But anyway, Grant, you have a fantastic day. Always look forward to listening to you.
1: Thank you, buddy. I appreciate you. Have a good one. Take care now. Right. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All
1: right, Let's get to uh, some more phone calls right here on Listen app, And we bring in uh, Brian. Hey, Brian, what's going on?
6: Hey, Grant. Hey, the the baseball topic. Just, I'm just curious your perspective as a Yankees fan. Assuming Judge breaks the record, and with baseball – Put the category of Bonds and Maguire, just that whole era is in an asterisk category. However, they want to slice it or what's official and all that stuff, you know, just that whole era obviously has an asterisk and you know and who you want to call the home run leader and so forth. But putting that aside for a moment, with I mean the baseball game is so much different now with the with our athletes and so forth, Com- you know, comparing the errors of baseball is just very very much a challenge in my opinion when you're looking at records and so in your opinion even if he breaks it do you find that more impressive in this era of baseball compared to him hitting the 61 back in that era just as a Yankees fan
1: it's just kind of first of all uh, yeah, yeah the fact that I'm a Yankees fan should not factor into this conversation at all it doesn't matter whether I'm a Yankees fan or not I don't think fans should base opinions based on who they root for in other words when you're talking about a historical record my opinion, based on being a Yankee fan, should be no – it wouldn't matter if I was a Pirates fan. I'm trying to remove myself as a Yankees fan. I've never – And I wasn't meaning ever,
6: that to influence your decision. I just, you
1: know – No, I know, not, but the way you phrased it, on. I'm answering it based on – yeah, I understand. So, So I've never acknowledged Bonds as the guy. I've acknowledged him as a great player. I've acknowledged him as a Hall of Fame player. But I've never acknowledged his records – to be true and pure and thus be the record i never have and so anyone that breaks roger Maris's record to me is the record holder in my mind whether it's a yankee whether it's an angel whether it's a cub i don't care who the hell it is so, i personally acknowledge that as the real record of a single season mark
6: right so uh if judge ends up with 65 with this era of baseball Compared to 61, you know, back in, you know, that era of baseball, do you just think that's more impressive, you know, compared no. to 61? I don't think.
1: No, I think Roger Maris' 61 was more impressive when, you know, straightaway center field at Yankee Stadium was 462. Uh, you know, Tiger Stadium was, you know, the center field. You know, Death Valley at Yankee Stadium to left center. And I know Maris had a lot of home runs to right field. But the ballparks were a lot bigger back when Maris played uh the the ball the the the, I think what Maris did in his era is more impressive than what Judge is doing now. There is a difference though and this is where it gets to be interesting and I'm glad you brought that up. When Maris played you very often would face the same pitcher the entire game. You know you would you would face you would get a look at a pitcher in the game for all of your at-bats. Now if you're Aaron Judge During your four or five plate appearances, you're probably facing three, maybe four different pitchers, which a lot of people say makes it much more difficult. So there's that part of it too. You got the Maris playing in an era where the ballparks were a lot bigger. And now you but he also saw the same pitcher for for the whole game. You know, pitchers back then pitched the whole game or for the most part, or they pitched eight innings, right? That doesn't happen now. So Brian, that's an interesting aspect too.
6: Yeah. Your second point, I never thought about that when I was thinking about it, listening to the calls. Yeah. Seeing a new pitcher every at bat from a, from a hitter standpoint, that is a disadvantage. That's a, that's a, a a negating point there. So interesting topic. And it's hard to compare, you know, errors, especially with baseball, you know, baseball out of all the sports has is is the most historic with records and conversation and so forth. So, uh, so yeah, no fun topic. And then, I got to just switching gears one last question since they've been topic the last couple of days. Uh, if they're healthy which quarterback, would you like on your team? Would you take Jimmy healthy or would you take Derek Carr?
1: That's a fabulous question. Uh, I'd probably take Garoppolo because I, I'm not, I'm not a stats guy. I'm a winning guy. And I am about quarterbacks that win games as opposed to losing games And do I think that Carr is a more talented quarterback than Garoppolo? Yes, I do. But I guess I'll answer the question this way I don't have any confidence in Derek Carr in a big game. I have a lot of confidence in Garoppolo in a big game. That's the difference. If you're asking me talent wise, Derek Carr by a country mile, but that doesn't always win. So I'd probably take Garoppolo. Now, you also could say, well, Grant, you know, he's played on a team with a tremendous defense with you know a solid running game well that's all true that's all true but I can only go by what I can go by I can't make up rosters and change personnel around just based on what I've seen you know if I had to win a big game in the NFL and you told me okay who are you two quarterbacks Garoppolo or Carr who are you taking I'm taking Garoppolo
6: yeah no it's a you know they're so close that's what prompted me to think about that and pose that question to you and it, this this started with me thinking of Cousins and how much I feel he's been overrated over the years, and and I don't know how you can trust that guy in a big game if you're a Vikings fan. And with that team, let's just call them similar in the Niners, where they seem ready to go. And if it, you know if he can do his job, they might have a, a decent chance to make a run there, based upon obviously the first game and what the you know uh, you know everyone's talking about them. But that was a pretty big lay of an egg last night by them. So I'll I'll hop off. Yep. No other callers got on. Thanks, Grant.
1: Thanks, bud. Take care. It's a really interesting conversation, though, about the home run record, the different errors, and facing different pitchers. To me, that, that's, that's a big advantage for Judge in what he is doing. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls and we uh, say hello to Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the show today.
6: Good
7: afternoon, Grant. How you doing?
1: I'm good, buddy. How are you?
7: I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Um, the home run situation. Uh, I agree. Was it Al? they called in or Jeff and said, you know, it, it baseball turned a blind eye to what was going on. And that's because they needed to get their fanship back and they needed to get their ratings back. They knew exactly what was happening. So in my opinion, I don't know. And there's no good answer. I don't know how you don't recognize what those players did during that time. Knowing baseball knew they were taking steroids. That being said, I am of the opinion that 62 would be the record if Judge gets there.
1: I'm with you on that. I think 62 would be the record, too. And if he doesn't get there, you know, a lot of people are going to be saying, gee, he choked, he's had all these games to do it. Uh, Wouldn't it be something if he does it this weekend against the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium? Can you imagine the atmosphere for this series? Uh, And my good friend, Brian, is working a plate on Friday night. And I was thinking, wow, oh, man, you really? G- I know. I was just like, wow. I go, what, what, what a series to be working on as an umpire where it could happen. They're playing the Pirates tonight, so we'll see if he can get one tonight. But that 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 stadium is going to be jumping this weekend with the Yankees and the Red Sox.
7: That would certainly be ironic. Uh, maybe uh, Brian can get you a little GoCam camera to put on his uh, umpire shield so you can get a yeah. first first view, view of it. But. Um, yeah, hey, what happened with Minnesota last night? What What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I, I, first of all, I don't like the way they came out and started the game. It almost looked like they weren't ready. They weren't ready for the moment. I don't really understand how you could not be ready for Monday Night Football. I, I just, to me, it's the same story, Ryan. When I look at this Vikings team, every time I think they're ready to make that jump, to, to really, you know, like the jump that the Bills made, I thought last year after the Bills lost week one to Pittsburgh and then they they righted the ship and they made that jump in the playoffs, even though they lost to Kansas City. But they made that jump where you're going into the season. You knew, OK, wow, the Bills are going to be the team that you need to really look out for this year. I'm not saying the Vikings were that team this year, but you got a new coaching staff. You know, they got a lot of different personnel. You have a week one victory against the, your rival Packers, who you have to beat to win the division. You have that momentum and you go into Philadelphia and you only score seven points and your quarterback does not play well at all. And defensively, you can't get Jalen Hurts off the field. My, my take in a nutshell is the Vikings are not ready for prime time yet. And I thought they were.
7: Yeah, me too. I mean, we, we talked about what conversation we would be having today about that. But I think people are not giving Jalen Hurts enough credit he is playing really well with his arm and his legs. He's being extremely efficient. And, um, you know, I thought that's a huge part of it. The Vikings were coming off a huge game with green Bay where they won, but I I thought Jalen was great last night. And, uh, speaking of the other game last night, let's go to Buffalo. Can you remember a team other than the Patriots that has been this dominant through two weeks? I mean, you look at the bills, the stat that really jumped out to me was they did not punt for the first 16 possessions of this season. And that has not happened since 1991.
1: The only team that I can remember being this dominant through two weeks were the 85 bears because you couldn't score on them and you knew that you couldn't score on them. And so that, that team was that, was that 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 was a completely different era of football though. Uh, To answer answer your question quickly, uh, no. And I want to get back to the first thing you said, and then we can get back to it. I would take Jalen Hurts over Dak Prescott in a heartbeat. And I said this last year. I said it going into this season. I think Jalen Hurts is very underrated. And there's no question to me, he is clearly the best quarterback in that division.
7: So do you think that comes with experience with the guys that stay in college three, four years versus coming out on the – or four years, five years versus coming out on the third year?
1: Uh, there's a lot of variables. I mean, I also look at a guy's track record. I look at his character, I look at his leadership skills, and I look at what he's done. And everywhere that Jalen Hurts has gone, he gets a check mark next to all of those intangible columns. And I'm not saying that Dak Prescott doesn't, but Prescott is is more of a feel good story based on where he was drafted, based how he became the quarterback of the Cowboys. I mean, it's a great story, but in terms of winning games, in terms of consistency. I'm taking Jalen Hurts every day of the week over Dak Prescott.
7: Well, if you asked me that a year and a half ago, I would have said absolutely not. But seeing the consistency, obviously the leadership, that's changed it for me. And you don't know when these guys come into the league what it's going to be. You could have a great college career, and then the NFL is a completely different animal. And Jalen, he's Mr. Consistent. And he can run it. He can pass it. And I've been extremely, extremely, impressed with what he's done thus far as well
1: absolutely and i think the eagles are clearly the the team to beat in that division and i, I don't know if i would say they're they, they're super bowl ready i'm not ready to go that far yet but again we're only in september but exactly. I, I that team's very good that team is very very good and i think they're going to win double-digit games easily unless hurts gets uh, no pun intended hurt
7: <laughs> well played so so where do you see the giants going because I've told you, I think they can go 4-0. And I know you're saying they're the worst 2-win team or 2-0 team in the league. But I, I'm actually kind of encouraged of what I've seen thus far.
1: Well, here's they have a very easy schedule. They had the Cowboys coming up on Monday night. That's going to be an interesting game after the Cowboys beat Cincinnati. Then they got the Bears in week four. Then you go to Green Bay. Then you have the Ravens at home. Then you're at the Jaguars at Seattle, but look, at you have the Texans at home, you have the Lions at home, you know, other non-divisional games are at Minnesota, tough game, home against the Colts so look dismal. So there, there seem to be some wins on there. And, you know, momentum is a, a funny thing in sport. When a team gets on a roll and they start playing better than they actually are, again, I have not been that impressed with the Giants on either of their wins, but if they get to be 4-0, okay, they're going to be feeling really good about themselves. And who the hell knows? You know, the division's not that strong. Washington's not that good. I don't think Dallas is that good this year. Philadelphia is the real deal. But think about those games. Think about the games that I just read off, you know, with the Bears, right? With the Seahawks, with the Texans, with the Lions. Lions are better than they were. But my point is the Colts don't look very good right now. So, they're, you know, we'll see. It's a long season. But I didn't think they would have two wins before October, to be honest with you. Yep. I never thought in the world they would have two wins in the first four games. I didn't think, and they already have that. So I, I just, I'm, I'm very, very surprised.
7: So you're a happy bald man. That's what you're saying.
1: <laughs> I'm a happy bald man, but I'm, I've always looked at my team with, I've always tried to be very objective and realist with my team. They're not very good. All right. They're just not very good. They have some real issues on their team. Uh, they now also lost, their best defensive player in Leonard Williams. Fortunately, not serious. He could play Monday night, although it's doubtful. Uh, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau should be coming back. He was their fifth overall pick. Let's see what he can do on defense. But what the, the biggest matchup on Monday night is going to be Micah Parsons against that poor offensive line of the Giants. They are not yep. a good line. And I think Parsons is going to wreak havoc. If, if Daniel Jones does not turn the ball over, I think the Giants will win against a depleted Dallas team. But I'll tell you this, Parsons is going to – he can create turnovers all by himself. He's the real freaking deal.
7: Yeah, he's a freak. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to put your fan hat on for a second, especially with New York 2-0, and I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl. But as a fan, would you rather have your team start out hot at the beginning of the season or get hot at the end of the season? Because oh, no. sometimes
1: he- – Oh, I'm sorry. Finish. I'm sorry.
7: Oh no, I was going to say we we see teams that come out of nowhere that are you know uh, in the middle of the field, right? And um, they end up getting hot and they hit their stroll. So do you sometimes wonder or worry about a team hitting their stride too early in the season?
1: Yes. Also, well, Arizona hit their stride too early in the season last year. They they were the talk of the NFL. I remember in 2007, I went to uh, the game in New York with the Giants and the Packers, second week of the season, and uh, the Giants got embarrassed and blown out by uh, the Packers. And I remember walking out of the stadium with my brother, and I said, oh boy, is this going to be one hell of a long year? Well, what happened was, in the last game of the year, the Giants played the Patriots, who were undefeated, and Tom Coughlin did not rest anyone and tried to win the game. And it was a game that came down to the very last seconds, and the Giants rode that momentum into the playoffs, won three games on the road, All right, uh, beat the number one seed, uh, Dallas Cowboys, OK, uh, beat Tampa and beat Green Bay, beat Brett Favre in, you know, 20 below zero weather to win the NFC championship and then beat the undefeated New England Patriots in a Super Bowl. No, give me momentum at the end of the season any day of the week. I'm not impressed with power rankings. I'm not impressed with anybody's record until you get to Thanksgiving. Doesn't really mean anything to me. As good as the Giants look, I mean, excuse me, as good as 2-0 and o sounds, that doesn't mean anything to me. It's just like the Raiders 0-2. I think the Raiders are a pretty good football team. You know, They could easily be 2-0. and 0. And so when I look at the difference between their wins and their losses, there's no reason why the Raiders couldn't get on a roll and win five out of their next six games. Or So, no, I always look at get me to November and December. Start playing your best football then if you can make the playoffs. I'd take that any day of the week. i am never judge the team too based on what they're doing in the first two months of the season.
7: Yeah, I'm with you. And uh, the Raiders being 0-2, I, I am still riding with them. I think they win that division. Uh, I know that's the quote-unquote hot take, but the Raiders, they're set up too well. And Derek Carr has never got a fair shake. I know you said that you would take Jimmy G over Derek Carr. but
1: In a big game. In a big game. not a, In a big game.
7: So who would you take if, if right now, today, you could have Jimmy G or Derek Carr? Which way are you going?
1: I would take Derek Carr, but if you, but 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 that's different than to win one one game. Uh, I'm not. I don't see how I could pick the Raiders right now with 15 games left, having a two-game deficiency with Kansas City. Unless Mahomes gets hurt, I don't see them already winning that division. I think it's going to be too steep, and one of their losses is a divisional opponent. Um, Here's the other deal. They go to a here you know what's interesting, Ryan? Hmm. This game coming up this week, the loser of this game Sunday in Tennessee, for all intents and purposes, their dreams are over at 0 3. Okay. I don't I know it's a 17 game season instead of a sixteen, but I don't think you come back from 0 3. So at Tennessee this week, the loser of this game probably is done for the year. I, I really believe that. This is a, a, if there's such a thing, Ryan, as a must-win game in September, I think this is it for both these teams.
7: Yeah, no, I agree, Grant. But, I mean, Tennessee's not played well, so how do you see that playing out? I mean, obviously, the Raiders have to travel. Is that a 10 a.m. or a 1.15? Uh, yes. Uh,
1: no, that's, uh, yeah, 10 a.m. Uh, yes, but you see, but you, you, you're, you're talking about two, you're talking about a Tennessee team That last year, okay, they, they know what it, they, they won games that they had to win. They're at home. And this is, what's the saying? You hate playing a team that is in a dangerous position. Now the same could be true of the Titans playing the Raiders, but this game this week will determine the success or failure of these teams this season. I believe, I don't believe you come back from 0-3 in the AFC West. You don't come back from 0-3 when you have the Chiefs and the Chargers in your division. I don't think that's happening.
7: Yeah, I see that, Grant, but I also don't believe you should be playing two divisional games in the first two weeks of the season. <laughs> so, I, And I get both teams are playing on the same field, playing in the same conditions, but that that just, to me, is terrible scheduling by the NFL.
1: Wait a minute, they're not playing they're not playing a team within their own division twice. They're playing the Titans. No, I'm talking about the Raiders.
7: In- they played two oh no, they played Cardinals, excuse me.
1: Right. No uh um,
7: yeah, that is my fault. But yeah, I mean No problem. I, I think that the Raiders are gonna bounce back. I'm still gonna stand by that. I think they are gonna get hot at the right time. They're gonna hit their stride. Josh McDaniels is gonna get carr going even more. And I think it's going to be an exciting season for them, and that's coming from somebody that's not a Raiders fan. I can't stand the Raiders, but there's just something about them um, that I think is very strong. Not saying they're going to the Super Bowl. I think the Bills, by far, are just head and shoulders above every other team in the league. But yep. I, I think they'll, I think they'll hit their stride, and you never know. I mean, Kansas City—they play off of all these gadget plays, the underhand passes. You know, at some point, you can only come up with so many gadgets and little dinks and dunks to, you know, throw the opponent off. And there's a lot of tape on Pat Mahomes, and I know he's been in the league for a minute, but I think that the Raiders will catch up well, with the AFC West. And I there's think- a lot
1: of tape. There's a lot of tape on Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers too. Uh, True. Talent beats talent beats video. Uh, I, I, you know, you can have all the tape and all the scouting you want. Great play beats great scouting and we've seen that in the National Football League again let's have this conversation next week because if the Raiders lose on Sunday there's no way they're winning the division they're they're probably not even going to be 500 they're not winning the division if they lose on Sunday there's no way in the world they're going to catch the Kansas City Chiefs or the Chargers if they start off 0-3 and then here's the other issue then you do have divisional games back to back. You got the Broncos at home, which look terrible. And then you're awful. at Kansas city. Yeah. Uh, you're at Kansas city on a Monday night. And th- that right there would be also in the category of a must win. If you start off and three, I don't like the, I don't like the cards that are being dealt for the Raiders. If they lose on Sunday, I don't think they come back from that.
7: Well, we will reconvene next week on this topic, Yes. but all right, buddy, have a great rest of the day and uh, Thank you. everybody. Oh, by the way, for picks, Uh, We have multiple, I posted them on Twitter, uh, multiple winners this week. Uh, The biggest, or two and two was the best record. There's four or five people, and then one and three
1: was the rest. Sounds great, Ryan. Appreciate you doing that. And uh, for anyone that wants to check it out, we'll post it as Ryan did on social media. I have not yet retweeted it, but I will. And uh, I'll give my picks on Thursday this week. You can give me your picks either Thursday and or Friday. But we'll—I'll give you my picks on Thursday. Tomorrow we'll have our fantasy football roundtable. It's an open forum Wednesday, and uh, we'll do that each and every week uh, during the NFL season. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate You're it. You're
7: welcome, Grant. Talk to you soon, bud.
1: Okay,
0: round two. Name something that's not boring.
8: A laundry.
9: Oh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. If you want to call the show, all you need to do is hit your hand icon, raise your hand, uh, and we will do it. That was crazy NFL week two, right? Absolutely crazy. I personally think Ryan is a little bit too uh, uh, optimistic on the Raiders. All right? I do. I think he's a little too optimistic. When you start off 0-2 and you've lost two heartbreakers and you play in a division with the Chiefs and the Chargers and you've already lost one of your divisional games, that puts you way behind the eight ball. It just does. That division's too good. So a must-win coming up this week against Tennessee. All right, let's get to uh, Rich. Rich, welcome to the show. Great to have you on. How are you?
5: Hey, Rich. Rich. Yeah, can you hear me? Yep, go ahead. Okay, great. Uh, hey, can we change gears to MLB for a minute? Yep. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> I want I want to share a, an amazing story with you, okay? And this sure. dates back. This dates back to 2004, when my wife was on a road trip in Chicago, and and I was I was able to tag along with her, right, and be a tourist for about three or four days in downtown Chicago. And uh, and I said, you know, I see there is an afternoon game in Wrigley Field. I've always wanted to go to Wrigley Field, so I went and I saw the Chicago Cubs uh, host the Cardinals, right with Albert Pujols and I had so here I am sitting out in right field in the bleachers with with the diehard fans and uh, my aunt called me from Carmichael right (laughs) and and she says are you at the Cubs game and I said yeah I sure am and as she was talking to me on the phone Pujols hit his second home run of the game and she saw me on national tv she goes i see you wow that's pretty amazing
1: yeah
5: Yeah. and i and so and i told her i says you know i says if i wasn't talking to you i could have caught that home run ball because the guys the guy this kid this guy and his son right in the row right in front of me snagged it and i could have leaned over and caught it and they threw it of course back into the field because that's what the the Cubs fans yeah. do, right? <laughs> if the opposing yeah. fan, you know, opposing team hits a home run, they throw the ball back into the field. And we were on our, on our way to to Missouri after that and my all my relatives, I've got a tons of relatives in in St. Louis, Missouri and stuff, and I could have brought my aunt that ball. So I was pretty bummed about that. But it was it was a great experience and the next day on sport on uh, on you know on <laughs> I got you. Thanks, Rich.
1: Hey, You're breaking up on me a little bit. I'll let you go, but I appreciate that. My biggest memory of being at Wrigley Field was when I worked in Illinois, and I covered opening day for the Cubs, and I don't know if it was 84, 85, or 86, but it was uh, one of those years. And I was in the left field bleachers. uh, You know, they chant, if you're in the left field bleachers, you chant, right field sucks, right field sucks. And if you're in the right field bleachers, you chant, left field sucks, left field sucks. And I'll never forget doing my stand-up. Stand-up is the part where you're on camera when you do a story. And I'll never forget being at opening day in the middle of the game, doing a stand-up in the bleachers in left field. What an amazing experience that was, being around all of those crazy fans. And then I did a story the year that Ryan Sandberg and Tommy Her were the two best second basemen in baseball. And so I sold this story to ESPN and they aired it as well. So I started off my story at Wrigley Field and Ryan Sandberg was a pain in the ass to interview. He was just always a pain in the ass. Every time you were, he'd always blow you off and say, later, later, later. And then he say, I'll do it after the game. I'll do it after the game. And then you'd go in after the game. And it was literally like pulling teeth. You know, I mean, it was not like a 15 minute interview. It was like two questions. I just need two questions. So, anyway, this was in September, Cubs and Cardinals, and I'm at Wrigley Field. And I get my interview with Ryan Sandberg. But Tommy Hur was having a new MVP season, and Her was the guy. And so we drove to Bush Stadium to interview Tommy Hur. I interviewed Whitey Herzog, and I did a stand up. All right. And I, ha- I went to the side of the highway with my cameraman and we pulled over. And I did a stand up in front of the sign Interstate 55, St. Louis. And I said, Start out on me and then go to the sign. And then the second one, I want you to start off on the sign and pull back to me. And my stand up was like this, but to find, the best second baseman in baseball, you got to go on I-55 South to St. Louis. And it was just an awesome standup as a bridge to go from Wrigley Field and Ryan Sandberg to Tommy Herr. Tommy Herr, conversely, was the nicest guy in the freaking world. The Cardinals in Whitey Ball, and I used to cover the Cardinals all the time, used Jack Clark was the best. I mean, Jack Clark was great, great player. Uh, just killed the ball. First baseman uh, Vince Coleman was pretty good. Willie McGee was Willie McGee was a jerk. Ozzie Smith was the best with a capital B. Ozzie was the freaking best. Like Ozzie Smith, are you kidding me? You want to get an interview with Ozzie? You know, before the game, in the dugout or on the field, you go, "Hey, Ozzie." When you get a moment, when you get done with your work, could I get a moment with you, please? Sure, it would be my pleasure. Go out, do his infield, take his BP, and he'd be looking for you. And I'd say, hey, Ozzie, thank you very much. He goes, sure, no problem. Thank, and he'd go, thank you for waiting. And I'm like, no, thank you. And I would do my two, three questions at the most. His, he was the best. I loved Ozzie Smith. But I'll never forget that story. But to find the best second baseman in baseball, you got to take I-55 South to St. Louis, and I think I said, in the home. Of Tommy Her, you know, so that's what I remember about Wrigley Field. All right, let's get to uh, some more phone calls. And it is Jerry. Jerry, welcome to the show. How are you?
8: I'm fine, Grant. Thank you for taking my
1: call. Thank you, buddy.
8: Hey, Grant, I want to ask you something. You know, you've always said this uh, when the NFL season starts, there's always a team or two that exceed expectations. I want to talk about your New York Giants, um, do, you, do you think that those guys are reading headlines about, you know, they're 2-0 and, and they should be 0-2? Uh, do you think that gets into those guys' heads, or do you think that no. momentum plays a big factor?
1: I think it's all about coaching. Um, I have a very, very good friend that is extremely close within the Giants organization, and he talked to me about the biggest change with this team is coaching and that they have all bought in and completely believed not only in Brian Dable, both the coaching staff and that has been the biggest difference. No, I don't think they really have been reading anything about their record or anything like that. I don't think that's a factor at all.
8: Okay. Well, let me ask you this, Grant. You're saying that uh, the giants are the worst two and O team that you've seen so far this year. Uh, Would you rather them lose their games and get a good draft pick or what would you want them to do?
1: No, I'm tired of draft picks and I'm tired of all the mistakes they've made in the draft. (laughs) So no, I'm, uh, no, I'm done. Uh, The the reality is it's time to start turning the tables, start turning this franchise around. It's been too long. I mean, the last time was 2011 when they won the Super Bowl. So, no, I'm all about winning games, building a foundation, and I'm not worried about draft picks anymore. Absolutely not.
8: So, Grant, when you're watching the Giants play, you're hoping that they win the games. Uh,
1: uh, I am now.
8: Okay. All right, Grant. And then one more thing, Grant, before I let you go, sir, I want to get back to that Draymond Green. Yeah. With all the stuff that this man has said, Grant, you don't think uh, that the other NBA players, do you feel that they think that they can say whatever they want to say and nothing's going to happen to them? Why isn't the NBA doing anything to Draymond Green? Why?
1: Because they're a hypocritical league. That's why. Because if you're black and you want to, you know, shout a racial epithet at another black person, the NBA is too afraid to police their league. Uh, they're too afraid to uh, do anything negatively against their black players. You have a commissioner at Adam Silver who's turned into a puppet, and you know it's just a whole. It, they're they're a hypocritical league. They're a hypocritical league. They have their biggest star is the biggest hypocrite in sports, and LeBron James. You have a league that oh wow you use you, you use the gay slur, which by the way should be a punishable offense, and I I agree with the league coming down on Edwards but then you allow another player who's one of the big stars of your league to use a racial slur at another black person and you don't even put out a statement there's no fine there's anything else it's a hypocritical league
8: Grant one more thing Grant I'm sorry uh you know I want to talk about Brady um you know what does he look sick to you Grant because he's lost so much weight I mean he does not look good Okay, yeah, I understand what the man's going through, Grant, but I mean, man, uh, just from last year to this year, I mean, it's total, total difference. I'm just like, wow.
1: You can see it in his face. I, I was blown away when I saw his interview after the game on Sunday. I mean, you could just see it in his face. Uh, I'm with you. He does not look well to me. I, he does not.
8: Grant, your show is awesome, bud. You keep up the great work, Okay.
1: You take care. I appreciate your support, Jerry. Thank you very much. Bye-bye now. Okay, bye It's a good point on Brady. He made a good point. I I thought the exact same thing. Does not look good at all. All right, let's get to some more phone calls here on this busy show, and uh, we say hello to Connor. Hello, Connor. How are you?
9: Doing great. How are you, Grant? I'm good, Connor. It's my first time on the show. I just want to say I'm a big fan of yours, and I want to talk about the Yankees and the Giants. Yeah. So if you think Aaron Judge, for the year he's having, he's on triple crown watch, do you yes. think it still justifies a contract extension in the offseason?
1: Yes. Uh, he's. I can't imagine the Yankees not paying Aaron Judge whatever it takes to keep him in New York. I think you're going to see the Mets and the Red Sox and the Giants all make incredible offers. The Mets and the Red Sox will make incredible offers just to make it a – Uh, more difficult scenario for the Yankees and their overall salary. I think the Giants will make a very serious play for Aaron Judge, but there's no way in the world the Yankees can lose Aaron Judge. I mean, he has a chance to be uh, in Monument Park with all the other great Yankees, and he is the Yankees right now. He is the New York Yankees. I can't see the Yankees not paying him whatever it takes to keep him in New York. I'd be shocked. I really would, Connor. I'd be shocked that the Yankees are not able to keep him.
9: Yeah, it would be probably one of the biggest mistakes in franchise history if they let him walk. I agree. And then to the talk about the Giants, with Daniel Jones, do you think that he would, he'll be on the team next year?
1: Uh, I would say this. That's a fabulous question. And I'm looking at your avatar. Is that, who, who, is that a, I can't see it very well on my phone. Who do you have on your avatar there on the giant, that giant's uniform? Is that yeah, Jones? Daniel
9: Jones, yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I'll tell you this. I, I'm going to say no. Okay. I, I, and again, I'm just throwing it out there at you. Um, you ask me, do I think he's going to be on the giants next year? I'm going to say no. All right. Here's a guy that you can look at possibly being the New York Giants quarterback next year. You ready for this? Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't think Jones is going to be the quarterback next year. Uh, I think five years will have been enough. I think there were times he looks very, very good. And then there are times like in the Tennessee game in the fourth quarter when he throws a horrible pass into the end zone intended for Barkley Those type of mistakes, to me, are going to be his downfall.
9: Do you think that if they make the playoffs that they would re-sign him?
1: Yes. If they make the playoffs, they will re-sign him. The other issue I have with Daniel Jones, Connor, I think he's going to have too hard of a time staying on the field and being healthy. He runs and takes too much punishment, and I just don't see, Connor, how that's not going to catch up with him and put him on the sideline.
9: Yeah, especially after what just happened
1: with Trey Lance.
9: you got to be a little worried.
1: Hey, Connor, call again. I appreciate your phone call. Thank you very much, okay?
9: Okay, thank you.
1: Take care. All right. Uh, If you want to get in before we wrap up the show, hit your hand icon, and uh, we will do it tomorrow. I will be on at 4 o'clock Pacific. We'll have our roundtable fantasy football talk, all right? And then – we will have our open forum Wednesday, so you we can go in any direction that you want. That is coming up on the show tomorrow. Check out my podcast today. Uh, the headline, the title of my podcast today is Silence is Compliance. And I talk about a lot of issues that are currently going on in the world of sports that make you raise your eyebrows. That's today on my podcast if you don't like that. Thanks for a great hour. Thanks for your support. I'll talk to you tomorrow right here